Let him play. Let him play. Let him play. That was Parker Thune and I uh, earlier today standing out uh, outside in Frisco for the District 3 5A District Executive Committee meeting. Parker and I were screaming, let him play. With posters. Michael Hawkins Jr. They voted on it today. Would they let him play his senior year of high school? Five to one voted yes. He will be playing at Frisco Emerson his senior year. Congratulations, Michael Hawkins Jr. Was the one a distant relative of Sam Pittman? Dude, I maybe, yeah, that's, that sounds like an Arkansas thing to do, right? Very weird that one person <laughs> voted no. I'd love but, to know why. Huh. Can we read the dissenting opinion? Is that available somewhere on the infinite recesses of the interweb? Because their son has to play Frisco Emerson at some point uh-huh. next year. You know, they're on the schedule. But Michael Hawkins Jr., um, I, I don't... I don't know if this is too surprising. I guess I don't think that it's very surprising. I, I thought that this would be voted it's yes. Not, it's just obnoxious that it's taken this long to get it resolved. No one is more frustrated at how long it took than the Hawkins family. I'm sure. But I feel like everybody, just from the standpoint of the casual outside observer, can look at the process that they've had to undergo and conclude, okay, this is more difficult than it needs to be. So, good news there. Uh, we talk about Mike Hawkins a lot because – well, is he OU's only offer in 2024 that hasn't committed elsewhere to this point? Uh, the only uncommitted offer at quarterback? Michael Van Buren is the other. Okay, yeah, I, I couldn't remember if he had committed yet or not because we know that Walker White has. But Michael Hawkins seemingly is priority number one, so that's why we talk about him so much. He'll play at Frisco Emerson his senior year, transferring away from um, transferring away from Allen. And could you explain again, for, for those that are newer to this commitment or this whole situation, why he's leaving Allen and going to Frisco Emerson because yeah, it's a he was, delicate situation. Yeah, he was going to lose his job as the starting quarterback at Allen and so wanted an easier path to playing time. That per a texter on the Air Comfort Solutions text yeah. line who has uh, made that account or has made it clear that that is the true account of what went down. Here's what's actually happening. So Mike Hawkins and his family uh, have lived in Allen For several years, obviously Michael and Malik, his younger brother, class of 2025 defensive back, have both been at Allen the last few years uh, to play their high school ball to this point. uh, They had an incident in December where the home was vandalized with racist graffiti. And so Mike Hawkins Sr., former Oklahoma defensive back, who had an outstanding season for the Sooners in 2002 before enjoying a brief career in professional football, Uh, he decided that he was going to pick up his family. They were going to move homes. They were going to move school districts. He was going to enroll his kids at Frisco Emerson. And so that is why there had to be this UIL hearing to determine whether Michael and Malik would be eligible to play varsity their senior – or Michael's senior year, Malik's junior year at Frisco Emerson, which, again, I – I don't know why there needed to be a hearing for this type of thing because it was very obvious that there was a legitimate reason why the family was moving and why the kids were transferring. It's one thing if Michael's trying to jump on board with one of the powerhouses of Texas high school football in the DFW region like South Oak Cliff or Duncanville or even Denton Geyer. But I mean, he this goes is kind of the opposite. Yeah, this is the opposite of that. And I know Allen isn't, you know, the Allen that they were under Kyla Murray, right? But it's still Allen, and going from Allen to Frisco Emerson is kind of the exact opposite of that. But they vote today five to one. Yes, text line is saying that um, was Mike White sitting on the board. D bag. Hey, if you guys want to slam Mike White's 
head softball coach at Texas all day long after what he pulled this weekend. Trust me, I am here for it. We did that a little bit yesterday on the rush, but I would promise you I won't get mad at Mike White text today. Mike White negativity hour uh, until 3 down. p.m. Bring it on. Down. Jeff in uh, DFW, Frisco Emerson is the closest Frisco high school that borders Allen. It's right across the border. Yeah, so it just makes a lot of sense. Uh, balls on the table, Parker, says the 501. Who does OU have a better chance to land in the class of 2024, Joseph Edwards or Colin Simmons? I'm going to say they have a close to zero chance with both. Yeah, we haven't talked about King Joseph Edwards in uh, quite some time. No, and we I haven't. think that that's and, for good reason. Yeah, that's just it's it's not going to happen. And I don't think it's going to happen with Colin Simmons either. By the way, apparently somebody wants to coach Kyler Murray. Arizona Cardinals just hired Jonathan Gannon, former Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, they lost the OC. They lost an OC, a DC, and a ten-point lead in a forty-eight-hour time span. Yikes! So man. tough for those guys. That's true, isn't it? Rough, rough development. Yeah, if you're the Philadelphia Eagles. Shane Steichen. New head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, formerly the Eagles offensive coordinator, and, of course, Jonathan Gannon becomes the head coach of the Cardinals. Those were the only two head coaching vacancies left in the NFL. So Jalen Hurts is stripped of his OC, and Kyler Murray gets Hurts in the Eagles' former D.C. All right, 405-651-3439 is the Air Comfort Solutions text line. And uh, we want your help on this next question. It's totally random, but I was kind of thinking about it a couple of days ago. Like, who is, who would you consider a sleeping giant in the world of college football recruiting right now? Someone that has recruited routinely at a high level in the past. Like, you think of this, like, woo, and they got it going. They can recruit at a high level. But here recently, for whatever reason, they haven't recruited to a higher level. Um, text lines sound off on that. I've got an opinion on that. But if I say to you a... Uh, a recruiting sleeping giant, who do you initially think of? Mm. Nebraska. You Nebraska, think, especially if they get Dylan Riola. You think that that can really turn things for them? Like I, I'm, not, I'm not kidding. Like Getting a commitment from Dylan Riola will be seismic for that program. Well, we just said yeah, it might be the, the biggest recruit that they've ever had or gotten before. Yeah, and we have a listener on the text line that said, Parker, the other day you said Dylan Riola was the only QB in this class that was can't-miss type so far or something to that effect. I've watched a lot of film on DJ Lagway, and he sure seems like a dude along with almost everyone wanting him. Is there something about his game I'm missing? Sure seems like a stud who will make it next level. The reason why I omitted DJ Lagway from that conversation is that in technicality, he's class of 2024 right now. Reclassified. I time. don't expect that will be the case. Hmm, yeah, interesting. A few months from now. Um, so you're yeah, going with Nebraska. That's a very surprising. I did not expect you to go. Well, there. just because. I mean, you don't have to rewind all that far to recall a time where Nebraska was a player for pretty much anybody in the country that they wanted because we weren't too far removed at that point from them being a perennial championship contender. But they've done a terrible job recruiting in the last decade, decade and a half. And recently they've done a purely atrocious job of recruiting because Scott Frost and his staff were – what's what's a good analogy? Uh, the inmates running the asylum, uh, something to that effect. Yeah, that's, that's – you're heading in the right direction there, yeah, I would it, say. It was bad, and it was worse than people on the outside would realize that it was. But – 
Matt Rule and his staff get to town. They piece together a pretty impressive class, all things considered, in the class of 23 down the stretch. Now they have an opportunity to land the consensus number one prospect in the land in the class of 24. Obviously, at a certain point, you have to win. And that's the piece of the puzzle. That's kind of why the puzzle remains unsolved at this point for Rule and his staff in terms of their recruiting acumen. But if Nebraska does start winning this fall, there's going to be enough juice surrounding that program, provided they get a commitment from Riola, that they may be back to recruiting top 10 classes very quickly. Yeah, I, I just wonder if there's – and I know that recruiting is more nationally now than it's ever been, but are they ever going to be a consistent top 10 you know, recruiting type of program without a strong local base? That, that's just that, – that's my question with Nebraska. Can they do it consistently? Here's my recruiting sleeping giant. Okay. So here is this particular program's class rank, according to 24-7, from 2023 to 2018, okay? 19, 20, 23, 22, 18, and number 11. Not a top 10 class in the previous six recruiting classes. Here are their recruiting rankings from 2017 to 2014. Six, three, three, and four. That is Florida State. Florida State, to me, a big-time sleeping giant when it comes to recruiting because when they have it going, you're going to see them pretty consistently in the top five. But for the past six years, they've been bad, not great head coaches. They can barely even recruit in the top 20 at this point. that's That's a great selection there, Tyler, because you also must consider that there is value to be had in simply owning your state when you play college football in the state of Florida with as much talent as there is in the Sunshine State. And especially given that UF and Miami have issues, and those issues are in some cases very broad, and in some cases they're very specific, but those programs have issues that are going to cap their ceilings in years to come. Florida State has a window right now, especially now that Mike Norvell has some job security, he's got the extension. Florida State has a window where if they play their cards correctly, they can become the juggernaut on the trail in the state of Florida. And if that happens, they're going to be Watch really out. good. Yeah, it, it, they'll, really good. Regardless of what you think of Mike Norvell, and do I think he's a top five or a top ten head coach? No, but you know, sometimes you just have enough talent, so much talent acquired that you win a national championship, a la Les Miles and uh, and and uh, Ed Ogeron there at uh, there at LSU. So I. I, I They have a window here. Will they take advantage of it? We'll see. But Florida State has always had a cool factor, man. Going back to at least the 90s, maybe even the late 80s, Florida State gets good again. They become very, very relevant in that state in a hurry. Their Comfort Solutions text line helped me out. Scott Frost and his crew were the partiers driving the party bus. Scott Frost and company were busy playing quarters at the nearest frat party. <laughs> Um, Sounds like a, a, a some fun times there for a program that's going three and nine under his watch. Yeah, they sucked. They sucked mm-hmm. in recruiting. They sucked on the field. They sucked. Somebody said Parker's family universities, Nebraska. And well, Florida that's State. what we Listen, picked. I just I, I wanted to dispel the notion that Nebraska is a family university for me. Mm-hmm. There is no member of my immediate or reasonably extended family that went or goes to the University of Nebraska. The closest Husker relative that I have would be a second cousin. Mm-hmm. So. 
Yes, I'm Good. from Nebraska. Keep him away. But not, not a Husker family. 918 USC recruiting sleeping giant. JK, JK, LOL. They're going to have to get some more defensive linemen and offensive linemen and backers out there for me to think USC is a sleeping giant. In fact, I, I was just led to believe that they were going to have top five class upon top five class, and that obviously has not happened so far for that new staff out there. Sleeping giant, hmm. Well, if recruiting databases existed in the 70s and 80s, I would love to see how many 1, 2, and 3 classes OU brought in. I think OU's location right in the middle of the U.S. or recruiting heavy staff with the move to the SEC is a sleeping giant. Well, and I, I see your point there, but I don't think the Giants sleeping they just had when the, the Giants just landed the number 4 class on the heels of the number 9 class. Yeah, two, two top 10 classes back-to-back. That'll fly. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to say that they're a recruiting sleeping giant when they just got their highest-ranked recruiting class. I mean, maybe you can say before this new staff that they were, but, I mean, they were still kind of right yeah. right there in the top ten or so. If, like, you're, if you're perennially in the top ten, you're just a giant. You're not sleeping. Tyler from Kellyville says Colorado were recruiting sleeping giant if they start winning. Maybe. Um, the state of Colorado doesn't have a ton of talent, but there's some good talent there. But if they can get in on the West Coast, I, they have the right head coach to be a uh, – Yes, Like, like what, what you're saying. I don't know if very many people could be the head coach of Colorado and be a recruiting sleeping giant. But if that's possible at CU, they, they have the right guy in charge right now. Deion Sanders is certainly that guy. That listener followed up and said the giant is sleeping compared to what it will be in years to come. That's, that's fair. But what are your expectations for OU from a recruiting perspective in years to come? Because, I mean, if you if you fly any higher than Oklahoma's flying right now, you're talking about Alabama slash Georgia territory yeah. in that you're landing a top two class every year. And I just, especially in the NIL era, I don't know if that's realistic. Because there are going to be some years where not even Alabama or Georgia land a top two class. There are going to be years like they're – like a year ago when Texas A&M ends up with the number one class in the country because every year there's going to be a program that emerges that is going to be willing to drop mad coin to try and put an elite class together. I have a stat, by the way, on what you just said, and I'm going to share it coming up next. Alabama's uh, class rank in the past 13 years will blow your mind. I just You're starting to look at the past uh, now that you're head of the SEC in 2024 – what are they doing? What have they been doing? Like, where has the SEC been at the top of the – we know they've been at the top of the recruiting rankings, obviously, but how often have they been the number one class? Woo, buddy. Isn't it like seven or eight out of 13? Uh, Never mind, I won't spoil it More than that, actually. Oh, okay. We'll tell you coming up next. And we'll get to more of your texts as well. 405-651-3439. Keep it locked on the ref. Man, I'm looking at the uh, – Places where people are listening online today via our Ref app. Just search KREF in the App Store. And by the way, OU Baseball getting underway this coming Friday. Our free KREF app, uh, the best way to listen to OU Baseball all season long. But there's just (laughs) one one arrow just kind of out in the middle of nowhere in Nebraska, and it's McCook, Nebraska. McCook, Nebraska. Dang, that looks like it is out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Wow. Hometown of former Sooner Ken Holstein. Uh, Tacoma, Washington tuned in today. Anchorage, Alaska. Arlington, Texas. Jonesboro, Arkansas. Columbus, Mississippi. Yes, McCook, Nebraska. Our small Oklahoma town of the day. 
Canton, Oklahoma. Welcome to the show, Canton. Which is where? Uh, that is out west. I think like northwest, basically, is the, the okay. best way to describe That's that fair. one. Uh, here's Alabama's recruiting classes the past 13 years. One, two, one, two, one, five. Oh, one, what was Saban doing? One, 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 one. According to 24-7 Sports, 10 number one classes in the past 13 recruiting cycles, including seven straight number one classes from 2011 to 2017. And that, Jeez. folks, is how you win six national Good championships. God, man, no wonder Saban's the GOAT. I, what was going on in 2018, though, when he had the number five recruiting class? Was Saban on the hot seat after that one? Class of 2018. I don't know so what was guys, happening there. Those guys would have signed. They just won the title in 2017. They had that miraculous yeah, so that would have been, Those guys would have signed like three weeks after Alabama won the national title. Now, the year before, they had lost to Clemson. I I don't know, man. But, I mean, when when class number five is a down year for Nick Saban and his program, that's how you know you got something special. It's their only class of the past 13 years, and you could probably extend that out even further. That has that's been outside the top two. God, it's just ridiculous, man. <sighs> I don't know if it's going to slow down anytime soon. We'll see. But this text on the four hundred five says, with Saban's retirement coming soon, OU moving to the SEC in the new one Oklahoma billion dollar initiative. If BV and company can move this program where we all believe it can go, I expect to have a top. Three recruiting class, nine out of the next ten years. I'm sorry, billion-dollar initiative? Did I miss something? I I was hoping that I missed something there. One Oklahoma, the billion-dollar initiative? I don't know that they were trying to get to a billion. I, I, I That's news to me if that's the case. A billion dollars is a lot of money. Well, and, and this was pretty uh, – like a top three recruiting class, nine out of the next ten years. Like that's going to be pretty difficult for OU – um, but if 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 you can do that, top three, nine out of the next ten years, you'll be right where you need to be talent-wise to win at least a couple of national championships in the next decade. But obviously, a lot easier said than done to be that consistently in the top three. That's that's going to be tough. Somebody asked, "What were Saban's classes in 2007 and 2008? Are the rankings that far back?" I don't know. I don't know I'm if sure on twenty four seven there are, but I'll I'll look on another site and see what they yeah, were. Yeah, twenty four seven wasn't a thing until like twenty eleven. So, but I, I'm gonna guess that they were still probably pretty good at Bama. Would be would be my guess. One or two, really one. Ten out of the last thirteen years, maybe not, but good enough, obviously, to win some titles. Uh, which is why I said Oklahoma is a sleeping giant. Says the nine one eight. Top ten classes aren't enough for a natty. When you're competing against what Alabama's doing. One listener said, Sleeping Giant is Utah. Huh. With their recent success and the most likely team to run the new Pac-12, they'll be pulling in some dudes. Hmm. Does the state of Utah have that much talent? No, but Utah's never really recruited. I mean, not to say they haven't recruited locally, but Utah has been good about being able to dip into states all over and grab a kid here and there. They just got John Randall Jr. this past cycle, underrated running back from out of the state of Kansas. Uh, Jocelyn Malaska from Bethany, Oklahoma. That was a kid that really wanted to be a Sooner in the class of 22. Uh, OU didn't offer him. He was committed to Tech for a long time. Utah came in right before signing yeah. day and flipped him. 
I feel like they're the uh, Kansas State of the Pac-12, and maybe Utah routinely recruits at a higher level than what Kansas State does, but like when Utah's good, it feels like they have a ton of two- and three-year starters that have played a ton of football that weren't highly recruited, and they just developed the you-know-what out of them out there in Salt Lake. That's what Utah reminds me of. Ooh, from our McCook listener. Since you shouted out McCook, Nebraska, thank you for that. Since it's a recruiting show, I will report that Carter Nelson played a basketball game here last week. That would be the four-star tight end out of Ainsworth, Nebraska. His team lost, but he was mobbed by younger kids and even some of the high schoolers for autographs after the game. He graciously stood on the visitor's side of the court and signed autographs and took pictures with kids until there was no one left. Seems like a great kid. Very nice. He is a great kid. He's also astronomically difficult to get a hold of. I don't know that there's ever been an interview done with that kid. Hmm. That's kind of problematic when you're trying to cover him in recruiting, I would think. Well, and it's also problematic when you live out in Ainsworth, Nebraska, which is... like Just con- sitting the cable like they used to do in the old days. Yeah, no joke, but context. I live in Nebraska, right? Or lived in Nebraska. Nebraska is home for me. Where I grew up in Nebraska is still four and a half hours from where Carter Nelson lives. (laughs) I mean, it's out in the middle of freaking nowhere. So it's not as if you can just swing by and say, hey, uh, let me chat with Carter Nelson real quick. It'd be like going from Norman to Waco almost, or at least close to it. Yes. Going to that side of Nebraska. There is nothing in that area of Nebraska. Nothing whatsoever. Yikes. Tulsa might be a recruiting sleeping giant. JK, JK, or am I? Hey, if Kevin Wilson... If he can do a really good job of getting Union kids and Jinx kids and Bixby kids and making a living out of the 918 and going across the state as well, then he's got a decent chance to have some success. Okay, okay, okay. Clarity, clarity. The listener that mentioned the billion dollar initiative revised that and said they sent us a screenshot. It was the University of Oklahoma that launched. The largest philanthropic campaign in the history of Oklahoma higher education with a historic goal of raising $2 billion. Like, okay, look, that that money isn't being allocated to the athletic department because the athletic department and the university effectively operate separately. So that is money for educational and research purposes, not football. Mm-hmm. Uh, 405-651-3439. A lot of text to get to, but I got to ask. How was the reaction on the message board about what uh, Barry Switzer said over the weekend? There was surprisingly very little reaction. Really? Yes. Huh. I put that out on our Twitter page earlier today, and it was pretty half and half on, oh, hell, he doesn't know what he's talking about anymore, or he is the king. I I trust his word on it. It was pretty split down the middle on our our page, I thought, which is maybe not too surprising. I don't know. Barry has his loyalists. He always will. Uh, From the 417, recruiting sleeping giant, Vanderbilt. We're talking about recruiting engineering students, right? Yes, that's exactly what we're talking about. And they do it better than uh, most schools out there, Vanderbilts. The, uh, they are the, uh, the most proud academic institution in the SEC, that's for sure. Though uh, Texas might be trying to steal that title for them. Texas might be trying to think that they're the new Vanderbilt of the SEC. I'm currently in the midst of trying to get a figure on how far it is in terms of mileage and driving distance to Ainsworth, Nebraska. From here or from Omaha? From here. From here, it is 630 miles. Nine hours and 39 minutes. Yeah, I don't think think that's worth it. 
I mean, if you just like if you're looking scrolling around on Google Maps and you're just looking at the area in which Ainsworth, Nebraska sits, there's literally nothing. Like Ainsworth, there's a couple of towns to the east, probably 20 and 40 minutes respectively. Outside of that, you got to drive hours to civilization. That's Ainsworth. Yeah, I, I, I don't. And think, that's northern Nebraska. There's I, not a lot happening up there. I am not rooting for you to. I'm not rooting for the White Buffalo to take a trip up there anytime soon. I'm gonna have to at some point. Mm, yikes! I'm gonna have to. Have fun. I'm with not that looking one. forward to it, but it'll happen. What? Maybe our listener from McCook, Nebraska, can just uh, you can pay him a sum of money, and he can figure out a way to get that interview done for you. Hey, just credit him in the story. Yeah, you know I will. If you can get me, get me Carter Nelson Intel, McCook listener. Uh, I will reward you handsomely. 405-651-3439 is the Air Coverage Solutions text line. I guess Notre Dame still can't find an offensive coordinator. One reason why is they're not willing to pay $2.8 million to buy out an offensive coordinator. They struck out on the Utah OC, Andy Ludwig. Notre Dame's still looking for their next OC. They're talking about promoting Jared Parker Hmm. to OC, which I don't know a ton about Jared Parker's background, but I do know that that was not plan A or plan no. B <laughs> no. or plan C or plan D, E, F, G. When you try to go outside for your next OC and then you just end up promoting from within, yeah, that pretty much tells you that you struck out on all of your uh, targets that you had on the board. He's been an OC once before. He was the OC at West Virginia in 2020 and 2021, which, as you recall, were not great offensive campaigns not for great. West Virginia. Keep it locked on the ref. We are the homeless Turner fans. Locked in with McComas and Thune. Live on the ref, we're the home of Sooner fans. 200 days until kickoff in Norman. 200 long days until we kick off the uh, upcoming season. Spring ball hasn't even uh, been underway yet. Number one thing that needs to be accomplished in spring ball since we're 200 days away. You're number me? One, yeah, I'm asking you. Number one wide receiver. O-line develops. What do you think? Figure out who you can rely on in terms of the veterans on the defensive line, both inside and outside, because I think we're going to have a pretty good clue by the end of spring ball just how much playing time we can count on from guys like R. Mason Thomas and P.J. Atabari, because the Sooners did load up with veterans. Rondell Bothroyd, Trace Ford, uh, Jacob Lacey as well, Devon Sears, they also return a ton of experience with guys like Jordan Kelly, Isaiah Coe, Ethan Downs, Reggie Grimes. But none of those guys, none of the guys right now seem to have that it factor that RMT and PJ do. And so I think we're going to find out real quickly how real the competition is going to be between the veterans and the younger guys and whether these veterans were actually brought in to be impact guys or whether they were just there to be bodies. You know, um, R. Mason Thomas is kind of an interesting case study, I think, going into this year because you're right. It's almost the separation on the defensive line of the guys that have been here for a while and the newcomers. And R. Mason Thomas is – kind of a tweener in that even though he's yeah. only going to into a second year so when we evaluate who's going to be the main contributors on the defensive line you might be you know junior senior heavy or you might be like no I want to get these new guys in 
I feel like our Mason Thomas is going to be a little bit under the radar in terms of a guy that has a real chance to be a massive contributor on this defense because more people will be focused on P.J. Adebare or the guys that have played significant snaps here. Just don't forget about RMT and all of that. I feel there's one guy you can count on right now along the defensive line, and that is Ethan Downs to me. And I, I know there's that weird contingent that will relentlessly slander Ethan Downs. Lord knows why. But I happen to think Ethan Downs is a really good football player who's got a motor through the roof and a really strong work ethic that's going to continue to serve him well at the University of Oklahoma. Outside of that, man, I, I don't know who starts on the defensive line for this program. I have no idea. I have my guesses. But I have no idea what Rondell Bothroyd's going to sure. look like. There's production no- there, but you don't know what it's going to look like. Yeah, I, mean- I have no idea whether Isaiah Coe has taken that step. I have no idea if Corey Roberson is ever going to do anything in the Crimson and Cream. Uh, text line, I'll add to that. Find out the linebacker rotation and how much run each of those guys is going to get. We have a lot of great potential, but I still have no idea how the depth chart there is going to shake out. I feel great that Stutzman is going to be a starter. I feel pretty good that Kanick is going to be a starter, and then we'll see what they do with McCullough. If they want to put McCullough at like a linebacker spot, I think that that's probably your three guys. But is there still depth to figure out there? Sure, absolutely. Is Kip Lewis going to be a guy you can count on this year? Is Kobe McKenzie going to take another step and a guy that you can count on this year? So, I don't know. I, I feel good about uh, Kanick and Stutzman being two starters there, but who who are the uh, who are the two deep guys behind them? Yeah, that's that's a good. I wouldn't put that at the top, but it's it's definitely a question mark for sure. I think virtually everything is a question mark at this point with this team. Follow up text from our McCook listener. I'm actually a mom, and I had to drive to Ainsworth last year for a conference wrestling tournament. As a non-native, I can I can confirm it is the edge of nowhere. Cell service was spotty, and even though I love Carter Nelson to be a Sooner. Wore my OU gear to the game when he was in McCook. I will indeed not be traveling to Ainsworth again. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, OU might lose out on that one, Parker. No one's willing to make the trip to uh, Ainsworth. Hopefully the coaching staff is willing to make the trip to Ainsworth. Like, rarely, if ever, do I book an entire day just to visit one prospect. But if OU starts to make legit noise in Carter Nelson's recruitment, I'm going to have to end up doing that because yeah. the drive to Ainsworth – that's a haul, man. From and there's anywhere. and there's no uh, like road game where you can seemingly at least make it work, right? <laughs> no. You know, maybe if they were playing at North Dakota State, yeah, in the or, going to, or going to Wyoming or something like that. Cancel the uh, you got to cancel the Tulsa game. Well, I know, no one in the nine one eight is going to like that one. You got to cancel the Arkansas State game and make it a road trip to Laramie instead to to go to so we can go through Ainsworth, Nebraska on our way. Uh, by the way, text line, back to the sleeping giant question. UCLA is a sleeping giant, says the texture in the 909. Got the quarterback of the future, good season last year, used to get top 20 classes in recruiting, did well in portal. Westwood is awesome. I, uh, I've been to Westwood one time for a basketball game, and I thought that the campus was awesome. It was, it was one of the more beautiful campuses I've seen, but... The Rose Bowl was nowhere in sight from Westwood. In fact, isn't it like a 45-minute drive away, and who knows how far away it is in traffic? Like UCLA is in a great location, but can I see them ever being a routine top five, top ten recruiter? I, I, I just I, I don't know if I can ever get there with UCLA. Yeah, it's, 
it's one of those deals where, honestly, I think the biggest obstacle is you got to get people to care about UCLA football. And it's almost the same conversation we've been having with OU basketball, right? You have to start winning if you're going to get people to care. That said, I feel like UCLA can start winning and winning a lot, and they still aren't going to pack yeah. out the Rose Bowl. I mean, look, when, when a and, and OU's got a great fan base, it's got a large fan base, but when it travels two time zones away and seemingly has more fans in their home stadium than UCLA did, that's, that's pretty embarrassing, man. Like UCLA fans, when OU comes to town, Parker, UCLA fans should flock that place. It should be a sellout. But it sure looked like in, what was that, 2019, that there were more OU fans at the Rose Bowl than there were UCLA fans. That's, that's pretty unacceptable. One listener said, can anyone step up and be a dominant All-American type run stopper in the <laughs> hey, middle? Hey, I've been asking uh, that for a decade. We've been waiting on it. I yeah, hope that's so. The deal. I just, I, do you have a guy on the roster right now that even theoretically fits that bill? I don't think no, so. No, not right now. I would say we're trying to get to obviously, but maybe, no. maybe a fully healthy Kelvin Gilliam. That is the one guy I think has the physical ceiling to be that dude on the interior. But he's coming off surgery. We don't know where he's going to fall in the pecking order. Uh, you also need someone that's just consistent there too. Like we've seen enough players over the past decade that have. How many times have you heard this? Well, he's shown flashes, man. Golly, he's shown flashes, but if he can just be more consistent, then he's going to turn into a great player. You haven't, you haven't had the guy there that's been consistent. That obviously has to change. One listener says, Downs is garbage. You're garbage. <laughs> Another says, any thoughts of moving Reggie Grimes inside? It appears he's being recruited over at defensive end and may have a better option moving inside. I think he's going to have to. He's too big, and there's too much going on on the edge right now for Oklahoma between – Guys like one one player that we have not talked nearly enough about is Marcus Stripling. He's still there. Yeah. And he's still a player. I don't know how good of a player he is. I haven't seen enough of him over his first four years in Crimson to truly get a sense. But he's had moments. But I, I think for me, PJ and R. Mason Thomas, like that's your next generation of dominant edges. Yeah, and, and this text says, is R. Mason Thomas going to be a big-time player or will he be, he be lost behind PJ eventually? I don't think he's, he's ever going to be lost behind No, he's behind not going to get him. lost. Trust me. Like, I, and I don't know if I necessarily concur with this take because it's, it's a bold one. But I remember somebody inside the Switzer Center telling me last fall, I think even before – the season began that our Mason Thomas will be a first round draft pick one day. Um. Okay. I mean, I, I'm I'm very encouraged. Now, again, I'm excited about it, but I need to see a, a lot more yeah, before now, I can get there. Again, I I don't know if I necessarily concur with that take. I'm just telling you that take exists from somebody that sees a lot more our Mason Thomas than you and I do. From the 405, I'm in Florida, but never get a shout out. I listen on TuneIn. Is that why? Uh, maybe. I think so. Just download the, the Ref app, K-R-E-F, in the App Store. Listen to us that way. Best way to listen to us. Absolutely free. K-R-E-F in the App Store. Uh, in case you haven't heard some news and notes across the country, Buki to USC. Buki to USC in a support staff role. Buki will be a defensive analyst for Alex Grinch and Muleshoe out there in L.A. <laughs> that, that'll, be, that'll be fascinating to see. Mike Bobo. He was once the Georgia offensive coordinator. He will be the Georgia offensive coordinator once again. 
Uh, Miami is hiring Shannon Dawson, uh, the uh, University of Houston offensive coordinator. So we've got some OC moves going on across college football as we get close to the start of spring ball. And Notre Dame still doesn't have one. Yeah. Hey, Mark Mangino visited this weekend. I saw that. I saw his tweets. The text line yesterday wanted to believe that uh, he was there because he's going to be named OC in waiting. However, I have heard nothing about uh, Mark Mangino joining the staff in any sort of capacity. I think he was just visiting some old pals this past weekend. That's the way that I took it. I, it feels like Mangino's done coaching. Yeah, yeah, I think and he is. It feels like he's kind of been done for a minute now. Yeah. 405-651-3439. We'll get to your text on the other side. We'll close up Locked In. Bob Stoops coming up at 320. Keep it locked on the ref. Final segment locked in with McComas and Thune. Bob Stoops coming your way next hour at 320 on The Rush. I was reading off the uh, coaching news of the days in college football. I didn't see this from an hour ago. Kevin Sumlin, you guys remember him? Used to be at OU, used to be the A&M and the Arizona head coach. He's going to Maryland to be the tight ends coach. Did his son... Where, where did oh Jackson's going to FAU right? Isn't that where he's Jackson's playing? Jackson's going to FAU. That's I don't. Right. I thought for a second. Well, maybe Jackson is going to Maryland, but no, he's going to FAU. Kevin Sumlin, the tight ends coach at Maryland. That is totally random. I mean, I wish him luck. I don't, I, I like Kevin. He's fine. I I just I did not think he'd be the tight ends coach at. He's about at the point in his career, especially the way the last few years have gone for him, where he pretty much has to take whatever opportunity he gets. Yeah, I guess so. Was he in the USFL or the XFL? I thought he was supposed to coach in one of those two leagues this year. USFL maybe was one of them. I you don't might know. be right on that. Yeah, because he was – Maybe he's going to do both. It was <laughs> the Roughnecks, right? That was the team he was – Houston I mean, Roughnecks? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think so. Huh. I can't remember if that's XFL or USFL. But, yeah, he was supposed to be in one of them. Jeff in DFW says, mentioning Buki, you're really trying to fire up the text line, huh? I actually wasn't, Jeff. I was just trying to relay the news of the day, but it did fire up the text line. Uh, This text says, expect a lot more targeting calls on USC defenders this year. Sooner Todd says, I see it now. Buki will get a dumb personal foul call. Um, 918, it's official. Buki can rot with the rest of them. Yeah. I love the text that says, I'll be at USC later this week going over to football practice in OU apparel. Good luck with that. Take plenty of photos and send those to us. See what that looks Take like. Take a selfie with Mule Shoe. Oh, that would be even <laughs> better, right? That that would be great. Ask him uh, Ask him what the uh, recruiting rankings were for uh, OU this year. Say, hey, I haven't really been keeping up with recruiting this year. Uh, what, what, what was their class rank on 24-7? And when he says four, be like, oh, wow, what, what, what ranking did you guys have this year? And then see what he says. Because you can't, he'll probably you can't build an elite roster at Oklahoma, Tyler. Can't do it. No. How cool was that video yesterday? The five new scholarship guys. It was awesome. That was man. awesome, man. Especially for, especially for Gavin Freeman. And, I mean, great for all of them, but I th- I feel like Gavin Freeman is the one that most least surprising regard. name that was, it was on there. Least surprising, but also if you just if you know him, you know his background, you know how excited he is and was to be a Sooner. Man, you can't help but feel good for Gavin Freeman. Yeah, no, it's it's cool. It's deserving. It wasn't surprising whatsoever. And he's a guy that, you know, we talk a lot about the wide receivers and for whatever reason don't mention his name a whole lot. And not that he had 30 catches last year or anything, but we've seen that he has big play potential with this offense. Where he fits in next year is, I mean, that'll be interesting. 
They like to use him on jet sweeps, don't they? And I wonder if that'll be a thing uh, kind of moving forward. He had next more year. rushes than receptions as a true freshman. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. One of those guys that I think they'll just find ways to get the ball in his hands because, as he proved on his first collegiate touch, he can do stuff with the football. Um, uh, David Stone, I guess, got his fifth star from Rivals today. Oh, he didn't already have it? I guess not. Yeah, okay. I, I saw him tweeting out about getting his fifth star, and it looked like it was from Rivals, but. I'm going to guess he's a consensus five-star when it's all said and done. Who, uh, that's who, a safe Who out of those four defensive linemen we talk about all the time will be consensus five-stars? David Stone will be one. Winnery will be Winnery one. Winnery well. will be one. Yeah. And you think the other two guys might be – well, we'll see about Zadavian Sims if he's a five-star anywhere – but maybe Nigel Smith on 24-7 gets to a five-star at some point. He may be a composite five-star. I don't think he'll be a consensus five-star. And you think Zidavian Sims, most likely four-star territory out of Durant. Agreed. Yeah, high four-star. Yeah. Yeah, well, hey, that's uh, some guys do get a little bit of a bump based on where they play and the competition that they play, and... I'm just wondering if playing at uh, Durant this year is going to work against Zidavian Sims in terms of his overall star rating. Maybe not. Maybe he goes to some camps this summer and ends up getting that fifth star. But out of those four guys that we mentioned a whole lot, I think he's going to have the toughest road for, uh, for a fifth star. That doesn't mean he's not a really good player. I mean, he's rated as a top nine defensive line as we speak right now. So, obviously, he's, he's really, really good. <laughs> so, he said, ask Mulesu how the shopping scene in SoCal has improved Caleb Williams' play. Yeah, well, he's pretty good last year, unfortunately. So maybe the, the chopping has improved it. I don't know. Bob Stoops coming up at 320. Keep the text coming, 405-651-3439. The rush is next.